What up, world? It is RJ Ochoa here, staff writer for InsideTheStar.com, the host of Ocho Live, your daily beginning Monday, August 29th streaming option on both my own personal Periscope and the official Inside the Star Facebook page. I am also the host here on the RJ Ochoa Show, your weekly NFL podcast where we cover all 32 teams in the National Football League. Obviously, sometimes we have a little bit of a slight emphasis on the Dallas Cowboys. They are America's team. They are the most valuable sports franchise literally in the whole entire world. And today was a very, very, very dark day for them. By today, I mean Saturday, August 27th. You're probably listening to this on Sunday, the 28th, or maybe Monday on your way to work or something. Um, And, uh, you know, I wanted to put together this uh, just sort of quick bonus episode of the RJ Osha. There's a lot going on. And um, wanted to talk about the topic of the day across the National Football League, and that is Tony Romo, the fearless leader of the Dallas Cowboys, who has a broken L1 vertebrae in his back. Uh, It's the result of a hit he sustained on the third play against the Seahawks on Thursday's preseason action. Cliff Averill sort of and you've seen the play. He fell down on him, crushed him, and in a weird uh, sort of angle, it was really unfortunate. And uh, early reports are that Tony Romo is expected to miss six to ten weeks. Now, just so you know, the Dallas Cowboys schedule, they host the New York Giants in week one, travel to Washington, Chicago at home, at San Francisco, Cincinnati at home, on the road to Green Bay, then they're on bye, and then they get Philadelphia at home before heading to Cleveland on Saturday, November 5th, which is exactly ten weeks from the day that this was all announced. Now... There are some things that we need to talk about here, and by we, I mean you and me. Sit down, let's have a great discussion. My name's RJ, if you haven't met me. I'm a cool dude, I promise. I know you are too. And, you know, I want to start off first um, by saying how, how much my heart hurts for Tony Romo. He is, this is not hyperbolic, this is not a prisoner of the moment type thing. I'm 26 years old, and Tony Romo is my all-time favorite athlete in terms of people that I've watched in my lifetime. And so this is a a difficult thing for me to come to terms with. And I talked about this on Ocho Live. If you haven't seen it, you can go check it out. I did a stream um, about 5, 6 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. If you need the link, you can tweet at me, at RJ Ocho, and I'll get it to you. And I talked about how I'm not sad for the 2016 season. We'll get to that in a second. I do think the Cowboys will be all right. I think that right now it's too early to bury any NFL team while we're at it. What makes me sad here is that we're near the end. And, and you know, I was, you know, I was talking to my dad. That's why I got here late in the podcast booth. And, you know, I was telling my dad, Tony is my Roger Staubach. You know, Tony is my Brett Favre, if you're a Green Bay Packers fan. You know, Tony is, is my guy. He's the guy who I've grown up and fallen in love with this game and this team and, and everything it represents. He's He's been my dude and so this is this is difficult this is 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 tough to accept because the end is here um and i don't mean the end is here and that he's never going to play football again he'll be back he'll be back in six to ten weeks but you know i think saying that tony romo plays beyond the 2017 season is probably a really hollow statement i think 2017 is potentially his last season you know, people think he should retire after 2016, and, you know, it's way too early to say that. That, I think, is an overreaction, and that is being a prisoner of the moment to what has happened um, today, this past weekend, you know, with, with the vertebrae and the broken back and everything. And, 
is it fair to think that? Sure. But I don't think that we can make that grandiose of an assessment uh, based on, on this one thing. And you might say it's not one thing, RJ. He's, he's suffered multiple injuries to his back and to his collarbone and, and all these things. He, you know, he deserves to have a life after football. And I totally agree with you. I want Tony to have a great and prosperous and wonderful and, and blessings-filled life when he's done playing professional football. But I don't think that this necessarily means that he should retire after this season. Okay, because if you're if he's going to come back and subject himself to more football in 2016, why shouldn't he do it in 2017? And I don't know that I you know fully agree with either one of those things. I just know I'm not ready to decide that yet. Um, but so this is a difficult thing for me to talk about. You know, I think it's a difficult thing for all of us to talk about. Tony Romo is the fearless leader of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, you know, in regards to the Cowboys, all right, this is the the one element of this thing where I. Um, I, I'm going to be a bit critical, and I've been really critical of the Cowboys all off season long. You've read my work at InsideTheStar.com. I've called them arrogant. That's a word that I don't take lightly, and it's something that I've said regarding the front office and their disposition to the way they've built this roster. Now, let's think about this for a second here. What was the primary problem for the Dallas Cowboys in 2015? What was the primary problem for the Dallas Cowboys when they played the Arizona Cardinals in 2014? Backup quarterback, right? I mean, you think about it, that's been the problem for the Dallas Cowboys when they've had long stretches of problems since Tony Romo's been their starting quarterback. And so, okay, 2015, you guys, you struggle with backup quarterbacks. And what do they do to improve that? They look at Matt Moore in free agency. They don't sign him. That's fine. Worked out, right? I mean, you know, Matt Moore wasn't anything special when he played the Cowboys this preseason period. You wanted Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. That's cool. So did the whole NFL. They're the top two players on every single team's draft board. It's okay. And then, okay, you wanted to trade up for Paxton Lynch. That's cool. I respect that. I think that that's legitimate that you made that effort, but you failed. Okay. And, you know, that's whatever. Whether you think Paxton Lynch is going to be something great or not, it was still a move the Cowboys tried to make, so I'll give them that. Then the Cowboys, whether you want to believe it or not, they were going to take Michigan State's Connor Cook with the 101st overall pick. Oakland Raiders swooped in, took him at 100. So the Cowboys settled for Dak Prescott. Okay, And I wrote about this at Inside the Star a few weeks back, right after the Rams game. I wrote about how they completely and totally lucked into Dak Prescott, all right? And that's fine. Hey, you get lucky. Welcome to sports. Welcome to life. You get lucky, and it's okay. But they totally and completely lucked into Dak. And even then, they still were intent on having Kellen Moore be Tony Romo's primary backup. So let's look at this. Okay, the Cowboys say, okay, we've got a shaky Tony Romo. We know that. It doesn't take a genius to admit that Tony Romo, I don't want to say that he's fragile, but that he's you know, he's prone to injury. Maybe that's a bit too harsh, but either way, the criticism is there. Deservedly so. Tony Romo's been injured. He was injured a year ago. He missed 12 games. We all saw the repercussions of that. So how did the Cowboys prepare for that? They bring back Kellen Moore, who was not that good. I mean, he was hardly even good in 2015. He had a great game in week 17 against the Redskins. Cool. That's awesome. So did Terrence Williams. And we'll get to him in a little bit. But you bring back Kellen Moore and you draft Dak Prescott. That's it. Those were the improvements that the Cowboys made to the 
component of their team that caused them so much distress one season ago. If that's not arrogant, I don't know what is. Okay, now let's think about this for a second. When the Cowboys landed in Oxnard, California, a few weeks ago, their starting quarterback was Tony Romo. That makes sense. Their backup quarterback was Kellen Moore. Now, you know, none of us think that highly of Kellen Moore. The Cowboys do. Maybe they, maybe they see something we don't. That There's a reason they're professional football coaches, and, and I'm not. But either way, Kellen Moore was the second-string quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys when they landed in Oxnard, California, and they took their first practices. Dak Prescott, who will start in two weeks during week one's game against the New York Giants, was the third quarterback on the Dallas Cowboys depth chart at best. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that he hadn't necessarily beaten out Jamil Showers at that time, but you're, I mean, this is serious here. Dak Prescott has really impressed us in the preseason, and that's great. But let's not forget that the Cowboys are technically starting their third option when they landed at training camp. If that was any other team, we'd be laughing. We'd be saying how absurd that is, how, how ridiculous that is, because it is ridiculous. And they've gotten lucky in that Dak Prescott seems like he's going to be good. He's been good in the preseason, and hopefully that translates to the regular season action. But it is, it's absurd. It's insane. It's diabolical. It's arrogant. That's the perfect word for this situation. And the Cowboys, you know, are you shocked that Tony Romo's hurt? I mean, we saw this happen a year ago, and you prepared by bringing back Kellen Moore and drafting Dak Prescott in the fourth round after you couldn't get four other guys, and here you are. You got really lucky with Dak, and that's good for you. So that was the one line of criticism I wanted to give. I thought it was fair, and uh, I hope you did too. If you didn't, hey, let me know why. We all are entitled to our opinions. Let me know. I encourage debate. But, so Dak is going to be the quarterback. And what makes Dak so good for the Cowboys is that Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan and, you know, all these guys, the whole coaching staff, they're not confining Dak. They're not saying play to our style. They, so far, we've seen they're playing, they're play calling, I should say, to Dak Prescott's skill set. They're utilizing what he can do, what he was, you know, what he was so successful at at Mississippi State. All right? And that's a good thing. That, that is a sign of growth from this coaching staff. And I think that that's going to be paramount for the, the next six to ten weeks, however long it is. I think that Dak is going to come down to earth a bit because he's not going to have, you know, six to ten weeks worth of games like he had against the Miami Dolphins in the preseason. He's just not. No one is. And if he does, then we'll celebrate. But Dak Prescott's going to come down to earth a bit. And so while I do believe and I feel more comfortable with Dak than I ever did with Brandon Whedon, Matt Castle, or Kellen Moore, I do also believe that Dak is more prepared in terms of independent, you know, non-controllable things around him. Dak, unlike Brandon Whedon, Matt Castle, and Kellen Moore, has a fully healthy, if you discount the concussion that he had a week ago, he has a fully healthy Des Bryant. Right there is a total difference maker. Dak Prescott has Ezekiel Elliott, who looked phenomenal running over Cam Chancellor in the third preseason game in Seattle. There are a lot of extracurriculars surrounding Dak Prescott, aside from his own individual talent, 
that are going to help him be successful. And the next six to ten weeks, from a schedule standpoint, are not that scary. I do think the Cowboys are going to lose at home week one to the New York Giants. I said that on Ocho Live. I do believe that. I would love to be proven wrong. But outside of that, the toughest games on that schedule, you know, in that time frame, assuming it takes Tony Romo till November 5th to come back for the Cleveland game, are the Cincinnati Bengals at home, who have arguably the best 53-man roster in the NFL, and the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, where they wear those ugly throwback uniforms, and they honor Brett Favre at halftime for going in the Hall of Fame. That's it. Those are three games. And if you count the Philadelphia game before the Browns game, at seven total games, I think the Cowboys can certainly go four and three or three and four. And at that point, you're well in the conversation for the NFC East. And that's what we're here for, right? That That's what we want to do. We want to win the NFC East. We want to go to the playoffs. And you think about this. I mentioned Terrence Williams. And a few weeks ago on the RJO show, actually right after the Miami Dolphins game, I recorded with Jess Haney, my fellow staff writer at InsideTheStar.com. And we talked about how Bryce Butler had a nice game. If you remember, he caught that 50-whatever-yard bomb from Dak. And we talked about how, you know, Bryce Butler, a lot of people think he's a better wide receiver two option than Terrence Williams. And Jess made a great point that if Tony Romo's back there, the athleticism that Bryce Butler has isn't as useful. Because, you know, Tony Romo, he's the fearless leader here. But if we're being honest, if we're calling a spade a spade, I don't know that Tony Romo can throw a ball 50 yards. He just doesn't have that physical strength anymore. And that's okay. He makes up for it in a million different ways. But Dak Prescott can do that. So I think these next 6 to 10 weeks, however many games they end up being, they're going to lend to Bryce Butler. This is, you know, I'm going to write about this at InsideTheStar.com. This is, I don't want to say bad news. I don't want to say it's bad news for Terrence Wims. But in terms, this is big for the wide receiver two position. And this is big for the future of the Dallas Cowboys, not just obviously with Dak Prescott, but because the Cowboys are going to have to make a decision in the offseason, whether they want to bring back Bryce Butler or Terrence Williams. And if Dak can utilize Bryce Butler's athleticism, it's going to seriously lend to that argument. And I think that's interesting. It's not a secret that Tony Romo favors Terrence Williams. Tony Romo has a great rapport with Terrence. We've seen Terrence Williams make play after play after play with Tony Romo behind center. We've seen him not do it, say, for Week 17 last season when anybody else is back there. So I think that Dak Prescott is going to seriously utilize Bryce Butler, and it's going to really influence the way the Cowboys shake up this roster in the next offseason period. So... Four and three, three and four, I think that's totally doable. Last season, I wrote a whole bunch of different plans, and I'm air quoting plans. You can't see it because it's a podcast. I, you know, you think I would know that because I record these things. But I'm going to write a plan, the first plan for this season. I wrote five last year, and each plan was sort of the route, the way, the formula that the Cowboys needed to win the NFC East. The 2016 version, plan one, hopefully we don't need many more, plan one is going to pick apart and digest and analyze this six to ten week period. And I'm going to write that. It's going to be up at InsideTheStar.com next week. You can check that out. Um, you know, follow me on Twitter at RJ Ocho and I'll get that out as soon as I can. It's a hectic week, obviously, but it's something that I think is now necessary because we've reached our first serious sign of adversity in 2016. But speaking of articles, okay, now this is uh, pretty embarrassing, but I trust you. You know, because I know it's just you and me listening here. 
Christopher, I think it's Wait Jin. It might be Wat Jin. You know who you are, Christopher. He's at Sing for the Day on Twitter. One of the best uh, best dudes around, kindest dudes out there in the Twitterverse. He's a must follow at Sing for the Day. I call him Alaska. So much easier. Alaska reminded me of an article that I wrote. Okay, which is kind of insane. Now this article was called Ezekiel Elliott. No Tony Romo, no problem. All right. Now I know what you're probably thinking, like, dude, RJ. I mean, that makes sense, but I mean. What does that have to do with today? I wrote this article on May 13th, all right? Now, I'm recording this late night, you know, Saturday, August 27th. So this was a long time ago. Now, what this was about, this article that I wrote back in May, was about how Ezekiel Elliott knows this situation very well. And I think this has gotten overlooked in this whole Tony Romo being injured business because we're so excited about the prospect of Dak Prescott. Now, in this article, I talked, and you can go check it out. I'll be tweeting it out again throughout Sunday and Monday. And if you want the link, like I said, just hit me up on Twitter, at Arjo Ochoa. You know where to find me, the official Inside the Star Facebook page also. But if you remember, 2014, all right, Ohio State ends up winning the national championship that year. But their starting quarterback when they began that season was Braxton Miller, okay? Braxton Miller was injured, seriously, for the season, 12 days before Ohio State season began, all right? Now, for a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, who at the time was 19 years old, that's a big deal because if you're the starting running back for a team that has national championship aspirations and your starting quarterback is hurt, that hurts your game because if I'm the opposing defense and I'm playing Ohio State at the time, I know I'm going to stop Ezekiel Elliott and I'm going to make whoever else beat me. And that's what you know people try to do. So JT Barrett takes over for Ohio State. And again, Zeke has 12 days notice here before his season begins that his starting quarterback that he has spent the entire, you know, training time, you know, getting ready with that he's not going to play. Now, for what it's worth, this Tony Romo news came out 15 days before. So that's what I'm saying. Zeke has has been here. Zeke knows. Zeke is probably like, dude, I'm having flashbacks to when my team won the national championship in Jerry's world at AT AT&T Stadium. Okay. These are Zeke's rushing yard totals. Okay, this is uh, the JT Barrett era, as I called it on this article. So against Navy, 44 yards and a touchdown. Virginia Tech, 32 yards and a touchdown. Kent State, 65 yards and no touchdowns. Nothing impressive so far. Cincinnati, 182 on the ground and a touch. At Maryland, 139 yards, no touchdowns. Rutgers, 69 yards, a touchdown. At Penn State, 109 and a touchdown. Illinois, 69, no touchdowns. At Michigan State, 154 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. At Minnesota, 91 yards, no touchdowns. Indiana, 107 and a touch. And then Michigan, obviously, 121 yards and two touchdowns. Okay, this is pretty cool, pretty impressive. But what you forget now is that JT Barrett suffered an injury in that Michigan game, okay, with three games left on Ohio State's schedule. And what were those three games? Oh, no big deal. Only the Big Ten Championship in the college football playoff, the inaugural college football playoff. So what happens? Cardale Jones takes over. This is Zeke's third quarterback. Okay, he finds out two weeks before the Big Ten Championship that JT Barrett's not going to be there. And what does he do? Okay, so at this point, the pressure is as high as it will ever be on Zeke. And not only does he, you know, live up to it, he becomes even more legendary. Okay, in the Big Ten Championship, if you remember, Ohio State played Wisconsin. 
Zeke carried the ball 20 times for 220 yards and two touchdowns. Okay, in the first round of the college football playoff against Alabama, Zeke carried the ball 20 times for 230 yards and two touchdowns. That was at the time the number one run defense in the country. In the college football playoff championship, whatever you want to call it, against Oregon and Marcus Mariota, Zeke Elliott carried the ball 36 times for 246 yards and four touchdowns. That is absurd. Okay, you think about it. Roger Staubach used to say that he wanted tea bags around him. And what he meant was he wanted guys who perform well when the water was hottest. Zeke Elliott is a tea bag here. Zeke Elliott, not only, like I said, lived up to expectations when he was counted on, he not only delivered, he just delivered the most heroic performances possible when everything was on him. And that's amazing. So Zeke is probably, you know, seeing all these things, listening to the RJO show. Zeke, I know you're our number one fan. What's up, bro? He's probably here and just like, man, this is no big deal. I got this, guys. Me and Dak, let's do it. I think it's insane, by the way, that 15 days, I tweeted this, 15 days before the regular season opener, the Cowboys decide or the Cowboys find out that the two dudes who wore 15 in college last year, Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott, they're the dudes who are going to carry this team for for six to 10 weeks. That level of ambiguity still hasn't been made clear. Now, I want to say that Rick Gosselin wrote something he wrote, uh, Rick Austin, Dallas Morning News writer, he wrote something late Saturday night where he said that Tony Romo and his injury status, however you want to word it, that they hold the Dallas Cowboys hostage. I kind of agree with this, and it hurts me. You know, I talked about, you know, a little while ago how much I love Tony. And I think we have to accept that because Tony Romo is a great quarterback, He's somebody we all love, we all enjoy watching, but his injury status is frustrating. I mean, separate emotions from it. Look at this like a business, and you cannot rely on him. It's unfortunate, yes, but removing emotion, you cannot rely on him. You can't. You can't do it with a sound mind, okay? Right now saying, oh, he's going to come back, he's going to do this, he's going to do that, that's a subjective emotional feeling. If you're being totally honest with yourself, the likelihood of Tony Romo coming back and getting hurt again is probably greater than 50%, which means it's likely. And so I think when you hear the word hostage like that, it's so sharp and you think of it so negatively. But I think it's, I think it's profound and I think it makes sense. And I think that this is going to be really interesting here to see how the Cowboys handle Tony Romo in the next two years. You know, we talk so much about this is Jerry Jones's team, Jason Garrett's just his puppet. We're going to see who runs this team, whether it's Jerry, whether it's Jason, whether it's Stephen Jones. We're going to see because the move they make with Tony, especially this next offseason, what they decide to do, it, you know, and a lot of it's going to depend on how he plays after the next six to ten weeks, it's going to say a lot about the disposition of the team and of the front office. And I'm curious. That's all, I'm, you know, I'm curious. And so, you know, we talked about, you know, we were hard, we were critical on the Cowboys. Think they were arrogant, but they got lucky. That's okay. You know, we talked about, you know, what this could mean, how Zeke could come in and be the, the hero we all need. I do think, you know, I talked about how I think this is big for Bryce Butler. I think this is big for Alfred Morris, because I think that Zeke is going to be the guy that this team counts on 
But I think the ground game is going to be what this team counts on. It's going to be that ground game combo of Zeke and Alfred Morse. I mean, you think about it. The Cowboys you know, had the fourth leading rush in the NFL last year in Darren McFadden. Zeke Elliott and Alfred Morris, far more talented than Darren McFadden. They're going to come. I don't think that it's it's out of this world to say that, you know, Zeke's going to have whatever he's going to have, 13, 1,400 yards this season. I think Alfred's going to be up there, eight, 900 yards, just because they're going to run the ball that much because, A, they need to, B, they want to, C, they can, and D, they're going to try to alleviate the pressure off of Dak Prescott for the next six to 10 weeks and off of Tony Romo when he does come back. So I think that, you know, we're going to have an impressive ground attack. If you haven't had your fantasy football draft yet and you don't get Zeke, go get Alfred. You can totally rely on him. You know, in closing, I just want to say that I love Tony Romo again. You know, I told this story on Ocho Live. So if you heard it, you know, I'm sorry. But uh, if you haven't, this is just, you know, what Tony Romo means to me. And I've written this before. I actually wrote it in one of the plans last year at InsideTheStar.com. And so Christmas Day, 2006, first Cowboys game I ever went to. Went to with my dad. The Cowboys were hosting the Eagles. And Donovan McNabb was actually injured. Jeff Garcia led Eagles. I love Jeff Garcia, one of my favorite quarterbacks. And um, the morning of the game, my dad and I went to the Marriott, where the Cowboys used to stay. It was their team hotel. And we were outside uh, in the player parking lot. And the players would come out. They'd sign autographs. They'd turn on their cars, kind of let the car heat up because it was cold. It was Christmas. And they'd come sign autographs while their car heated up. And it was a lot of fun. You know, we got a lot of autographs. It was cool. Miles Austin, before anybody knew who he was. Aaron Glenn. You know, guys like that. And I was in high school, and so I was all about T.O. But I was also all about Tony Romo. Because this was Christmas, but two months earlier, on October 23rd, 2006, Tony Romo came in at the second half on Monday Night Football against the New York Giants and changed all of our lives forever. And so he was this new young guy that was taking the NFL by storm, and so... Obviously, when he came out, he was signing autographs. I wanted it so badly. And so I had this football, and I was reaching over this fence, and Tony was signing autographs, and he kept just taking, he kept moving farther and farther away from me. And with every step he took, you know, I just got more and more sad. And, um, you know, Tony signs about, I don't know, I'm going to say like 13, 14 autographs, and he goes into his car, waves at everybody. And I was just, I was devastated. You know, I was, I was so sad. And, um, you know, keep in mind, we still had the game to go to. But my day was ruined. I was just in, in just such, such sadness. And my dad, and, and keep in mind that this is Christmas Day. Uh, my dad, you know, kind of grabs me by the shoulders and he says, son, you, you see that stoplight over there? And he points to the stoplight. And he says, Tony's got to go through there. You know, if, if you run, you know, you catch him. You know, who knows? You know, anything can happen. And so I tucked my football, you know, like, like a football. And, uh, you know, because it was a football, obviously. Bad joke, RJ. And, um, and I ran. And it was Christmas, it was cold, so I was wearing a lot of layers because my mom is is incredibly overprotective, so she made me wear like 14 layers. And so I'm running as fast as I can. And Tony at the time drove a Ford Expedition, and so no big deal, I beat him to the light. That's right. You know, NFL teams, call me up, we'll make it happen. And um, as soon as I got there, I looked up and the stoplight turned red. And so, like, I immediately just was like, oh, my gosh, something incredible is about to happen. I was the only kid, the only person around for hundreds of yards. And so Tony starts slowing down because that's the law to stop at red lights. And as he was slowing down, he was rolling down his window. And he already had a Sharpie in his hand. 
and I was just kind of stunned. And so he, he stops right next to me and I was, I was cold and I was, I was tired cause I'd run this whole way and I was nervous. And so I just kind of blabbered. I was Tony, yeah, you know, and you know, totally cool dude. He just, he signed my football and he said, Merry Christmas, man. And the light turned green and he drove off and I sort of jogged back to my dad and, you know, he saw the whole thing and, and we hugged and it was, I wrote this, you know, it was one of the greatest moments of my life. And it happened totally and completely because of Tony Romo's kindness. And so I believe that life, the world, whatever you want to call it, is good enough to to deliver on this promise, this this ride that it's put all of us on with Tony Romo. I I refuse to believe that it's cruel enough for this to not end the way it's supposed to. This is one of the greatest stories in professional sports history. And that's not a hyperbole. This undrafted kid from Burlington, Wisconsin, has risen to the status of being the star quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And I believe that it's going to end the way that it should. This is, um, this is an indication that the end is near. There's no denying that. But I believe that before that day comes, that Tony Romo will hoist the Lombardi Trophy, confetti will rain on him, and we'll all cry tears of joy. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of the RJO Show. It was all about Tony Romo because it needed to be. If you want to talk about it, let me know. You can hit me up, rj at rjochoshow.com. You can tweet to me at rjochoa. Make sure you join the RJO Show Ocho Live weekly pick em pool, totally free. Winner gets an NFL jersey of their choice. Check out InsideTheStar.com. We'll have lots of analysis on this all week long. I'll have a lot of articles, including my plan, including my thing about Bryce Butler. And um, we're going to be okay, guys. It's football season. The Cowboys are here. That's all that matters. I hope you have a good weekend or a good beginning to your week whenever you listen to this. The fall is coming. It's exciting. And um, we're going to be all right. Thank you for listening. Like I said, you want to talk, hit me up. As always, go Cowboys. And God bless Tony Romo. Peace out. Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down? Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get out? Oh, what you gonna do? Oh,